Welcome to this installment of This Month in Women's History with the Bridge Initiative. We are doing the January episode today. My name is Alicia, and we have Alex here as well. Hey, Alicia. How's it going? It's going well. How about yourself? Great, thanks. Excellent. Today we're going to talk about women that we want to recognize um, that are important to recognize those that are have come before us as we look forward to the future. So we're going to be mixing it up with people that are from the finance industry and also people that are important to us from fashion, sports, you know, we're, we're going to choose people from all over the place. So if you have someone that you don't hear in this January episode that you feel should be included in our next January episode, please feel free to submit that. You can submit that to bridge at fi360.com. Excellent. So Betty White, let's get to the, let's, let's, let's talk about Betty White. Yes. She has the longest television career of any entertainer. She is one of the first women to have control both in front of and behind the camera and is recognized as the first woman to produce a sitcom, which was called Life with Elizabeth. She, I think she's fabulous because I think she just has such a great personality. She's a huge animal lover, so she's donated. So naturally you love her. I naturally love her because I love the animals. But <laughs> um, she said if she wasn't an actor, she'd be a zookeeper, no question. And she's donated tens of thousands of dollars over the past 40 years. She founded a fashion line recently and, and had some other swag and things that she was selling. And all of the proceeds went directly to animal charities. So, so I think she's pretty great. Let me ask you a question, Alicia. Why are we talking about Betty White in January? Because her birthday is in January. Is it really? It is. My birthday is also in January. So I feel some kind of kindred spirit with with Betty White. Yeah, it's January 17th. Not the same day. Not the same day, but, you know, it's okay. Still still spirit of Betty White inside me. Yeah, and, you know, it's really interesting because she was born in Illinois in, like, this really small town, and her parents did not name her Elizabeth, which a lot of people think. She's actually, her first name is Betty. It's not Elizabeth. They apparently didn't like the shortened nicknames that came along with Elizabeth, so they just chose one and named her that, which I thought was decisive. Interesting. Yeah. And, um... During World War II, she joined the American Women's Voluntary Services. So it was like a, a way for women to, because they couldn't fight on the lines at that time, to participate in the war effort at home. So she did um, delivering, she su delivered supplies throughout the Hollywood Hills. She would spend her nights doing shows for soldiers that were being sent to ship out. So every night she would do a show for all these people being shipped out, which built their energy and got them excited to go and, you know, the American spirit. So if only we could have been there. It would have been very entertaining, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because she is very entertaining. I just I wonder what kind of show. <laughs> I don't know. Was it, was it a comedy show? Was it, was it a dance? Did she, was she like a rockette, you know, like? I feel like probably the not highlights. a redhead. I don't know. We should, I don't know. She, um, she was, she's always been somewhat into acting, but also into comedy. So it was probably a bit of both of those things with some skits. I'm picturing like a live SNL, but I don't know if that's accurate at all. Um, was she ever on SNL? Yes. Not just hosting. Was she a cast member? No. Hmm. I think she predates SNL. I mean, <laughs> 
She is, uh, no offense, but a bit old. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how old SNL is, but it's not as old as Betty White. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's like 30 or 40 years. I think they just did their like 30th anniversary a couple years ago. And she's, I mean, 95. I mean, can she even stay up that late anymore? Yeah, she did SNL a couple years ago, dude. (laughs) She, I mean, I can't stay up that late, so. She hosted SNL. Because of a Facebook group and a campaign on Facebook because she had never hosted before. And so they created a Facebook group. And after there were, like, thousands of members, that's now I was like, oh, okay. We're going to just go ahead and add her. her. Yeah. <laughs> just going to get her to do it. And she, her ratings were the highest they'd had in 18 months when she hosted SNL. Wow. And it was also hilarious because she talked about if she, she doesn't understand Facebook. Um, and if she wanted to get in touch with her friends, she would need a Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> Which I found very pragmatic and hilarious. Um, she's received eight Emmys, three American Comedy Awards, three Screen Actor Guild Awards, and a Grammy Award. Doesn't she also have a star? On yes. The Hollywood Walk of Fame? Yes. It is right next to her deceased husband's star, actually, side by side. That's I didn't, cute. I didn't know they did that, How but it's romantic. adorable. I Yes. And speaking of him, she... Um, she was asked why hadn't she remarried because he passed away quite a few years ago. And she said, once you've had the best, who needs the rest? Preach, girl. Yeah, right. Yeah. Preach. So that's also adorable. <laughs> she went to Beverly Hills High. Which is... Hey, hang on a second. Let's go back to her husband. Okay. How long were they married? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I know he died in, like, 1961. Hmm. So... They were married for quite a few years. Interesting. Or maybe they got married in 1961 and he died in the 80s. They were married for like 20-ish years, I think. I think that's the right timing. Um, but he... I'm um, lots of stuff about Mer- Betty White. She's a national treasure. National treasure. <laughs> she is. She, um, I don't know if you remember, they did a lot of people, famous people that were beloved passed away in 2016. And somebody created a GoFundMe account to save Betty White from 2016. What? <laughs> yeah. What would they have done? I, they, they raised money so that she wouldn't die? What are they going to do, pay her doctors? I guess, I guess it was, like, for security. I don't know. <laughs> so, hi, this is Kelly. Uh, Kelly's also hey, Kelly. here. <laughs> Kelly, um, chime in for us. So, I, like, loved this whenever I saw it. But um, there was someone who wanted to protect... Betty White in 2016 to 2017 because it was the year when a lot of celebrities were dying. And so this guy created a GoFundMe account. It was kind of funny. He was like, I'll go anywhere where Betty White is and protect her. (laughs) And from there, he kind of started to raise the money, but then it kind of actually turned into something great. They raised over $9,000 and it was just random people from across the country. But then they decided to donate the money actually to an arts program that focused on theater and acting um, and just to really help those students. So that's like one of my favorite things to ever be associated with Betty White was how someone set this up as a joke, but they turned it into a really great cause and raised money for it. That is awesome. Yes. And it's I very Betty White. I, I still like my, uh, my head cannon where they used it for her doctor's bills and security purposes. I thought armed, it was for security. Armed guards. Yeah. yeah. Armed guards to protect her from yeah. a heart attack. I don't know. <laughs> 
assassination attempt. <laughs> you know, who would, who would assassinate <laughs> Betty White? Everybody loves Betty White. It doesn't matter where you stand on any views. If someone says to you, do you love Betty White? The answer is yes. There's not a person that doesn't love Betty White. I mean, does the youngest, the young, I mean, I'm 30. So, I mean, Kelly, Kelly's in her mid twenties. Mm -hmm. um, and she obviously knows who Betty White is. But do you think that the younger generation know how do you not who she know? Is and, She's all and over what the her news. Impact has been. I, I don't know. I'm of. I guess what you're insinuating is I'm of the older generation. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like um, me. Yeah, yeah. So I I know of her and I think she's amazing. So I am excited. But anyway, maybe we could send this to her. See what she says. Probably nothing. No. She's probably too busy with no. her Ouija board. But although, did you uh, a little uh, side note here? And did you hear about this uh, website called Cameo that's been in the news recently? Uh, that's a it's a website where people, nobodies like you and me and then Kelly can hire celebrities that, that you pay them like twenty bucks or something like that to record a personalized message to you. Oh yes, I heard of that on a local radio show. Huh, yeah. They were I, doing it. Yeah, they were they were talking about it on the news yesterday. Uh about somebody specifically, which we will Yeah. We don't need to talk about. But yeah. um yeah, I, I was maybe we can get Betty White to uh say something to us personally through camera. Oh my goodness. I would cry. I know. <laughs> I would cry. That's a great birthday present. If anyone's looking for a present <laughs> a great birthday present, it's September. Wow. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Mary Tyler Moore show. My mom loved that show. I am a little too young to have seen it in a prime, but I loved the Golden Girls. So um, she was my favorite character on the Golden Girls. She's Rose. And uh, that I did know. Yeah. She's Rose on the Golden Girls. I and she was on the Hallmark channel. Did you know that she originally auditioned for the role of Blanche? Because Rose was very similar to the character that she played on the Mary Tyler Moore. And she didn't want to be playing the same person. And the directors were like, oh, well, maybe you should try out this Rose character. And she had some hesitancy because of she didn't want to play Rose as stupid. She wanted to play, play her as just naive and from a small town, you know. So she really built that character into someone I think that is empowering for women instead of instead of being a woman that people make fun of she's just very naive you know I thought that that was interesting that she took that choice as an actor but anyway she ended up as Rose and Rue ended up as Blanche we're on first name basis are you okay I love the Golden Girls okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like watching the reruns yeah if I'm you know awake sometimes I have them on in a really early morning like 6 a.m. when my brain yeah, wakes up on Saturday mornings. So. Oh. Yeah. She. But I'm not like a super fan. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I'm a super fan, but I, I put it on whenever it's on. I, I really like Betty White, and I just want her show to keep getting ratings so she keeps getting a check from the Golden Girls. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm supporting her. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. You're supporting her. I'm watching reruns of the Golden Girls. I am. Okay. I am. That's how it works. So you think that are the are all of those ladies still alive? No, Betty White's the last one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Maybe we should start a new GoFundMe page. Save the Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little late. <laughs> Would you watch if they did a 
what do they call them? Like a reboot? I mean, does it have Betty White on it? Then yes. Well, I mean, no, it wouldn't have Betty White. Then no, probably not. They'd have to have a whole new cast of. That's like recasting Friends and doing it all over again. Or. I'm I'm really hurt about Charmed, to be honest. Yeah. I, I don't. I feel like if you're a true lover of the original show, you. It's very difficult for you to love a reboot. Doesn't matter if they've cast them perfectly. You know, that's why I love Doctor Who. And I fell in love with a particular doctor. And when that doctor was no longer alive, then I was heartbroken and I could not watch any more Doctor Who because I just didn't, I didn't want to see the next one. I gave him like 30 seconds of an episode and I said, mm, no. <laughs> Who was your favorite Doctor Who? The ninth Doctor. Mm. He's nobody's favorite but mine. Yeah. Yeah. But he's my favorite. So. Okay. Anyway, unrelated to Betty White. <laughs> Back to Betty. <laughs> Back to Betty. Um, she's, yeah, I just think she's got this personality that is, you, you can't hate her, right? She's just so friendly and so funny and, and such a, she just comes across as a decent human being. And I think that she has inspired a lot of people and donated a lot of money to the theater and to the arts and to animal welfare projects and care. And I, I think she's just a great role model, honestly, in a time when think about when she got started. I mean, I think her first, her first show was in the thirties, her first appearance. So think about the time frame then how hard it would have been for her to get behind the camera, but she was. I didn't know she was behind the camera mm -hmm. in the thirties. So life with Elizabeth was the first sitcom. I don't think that one was in the thirties, but it still would have been difficult in later decades, but um, that was the first sitcom that had, she was in control both in front of and behind the camera. So she was acting, but also producing. Hmm. I wonder how many female producers there were during that time. Probably not many, I would imagine. No. It must've been a difficult industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hollywood itself is a difficult industry especially for women, as we've learned more about that yeah. in the past couple of years. Yeah. So I, I imagine, I imagine it was not easy, but she has survived and triumphed and, and thrived and is now past 90 and fabulous. I love that she's still acting and that she's still excited about working. My my favorite role of hers is in the proposal when she plays the grandmother. <laughs> I, <laughs> the I scene in the woods is like <laughs> my the first funniest thing. Really, like you know, seeing Betty White, um, really, you know, in a in a in a film, and she just came across as so her her humor is so fresh and so clean, but also. Um, and it, ha it has such innuendo to it that leaves it open to the imagination. You know, she doesn't have to say crude words to fill gaps. Mm -hmm. She kind of leaves it up to you to take in your own dirty mind. Yeah, I, I think that. And yes, that thing in the woods. Yes. Is hilarious. Her, her, every time she's on the screen in that movie is gold. It's, yes. and I'm sure I'm. Sure, that's how it is because that's how it is with the Golden Girls too. She in every scene she's in, 
those four just really worked together. So she didn't outshine anybody, but she was the shining light of that movie, The Proposal. And I enjoy Ryan Reynolds, but she was the best part of that movie, Wasn't in my she opinion. also in a recent TV show? Yeah, she had a show, I think it was on NBC. It was called Off Off the Rockers. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about um, something about Ohio. Hot in... Hot in Cleveland. Hot in Cleveland, yeah. Yeah. She, that, See Ohio. That's older, I think. It, it was on for six seasons, but she was in that, too. <laughs> I love that you know off the top of your head it was on for six seasons. Listen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it was on for six seasons. Um, it was hot in Cleveland. I think the premise of that show was they were they were from like California and they all moved to Cleveland and they were hot there where they weren't in California. I'm not sure. But she was in that show. She also had a show called Author Rockers, which she and other senior citizens played pranks on young people. Like it, it was like a hidden camera. That show was very funny, but it was short lived. It was funny. As long as you weren't the, the person they were playing the joke on, it was very funny. I'm not a prank kind of yeah. person. If Betty White pranked me, I'd be okay with it. Note to self. <laughs> Don't prank Alicia. How does she that website work? Can you get her to prank <laughs> me? <laughs> so um, that's really all I had to talk about with Betty White. I feel like she's she's just such a trailblazer in terms of her length of acting her her career and she really was the first one to to make these evolving roles you know for, to producer from actress to producer to keep creating her own sitcoms have her she was her own um game show host at one point i mean she's just really been ahead of the curve nelly ross can't wait to talk to you about Nellie Ross, the first female governor of the United States. She was also the first female governor of Wyoming. Nellie Ross is the first female governor in the United States. Sounds like a pretty cool chat. She is. Would you like to tell me about her, Alex? I actually really would. I, I very much enjoyed doing my research on Nellie Ross. Um, I did not know that she was the first female governor of the United States, let alone Wyoming, which is, as you know, a traditionally red state. Um, Nellie was born in 1876 in Missouri. She met her husband, William Bradford Ross, while she was visiting relatives in Tennessee in 1909, 1900 rather. Not 1909. Not 1909. <laughs> that would, uh, that'd be impressive since she got married in 1902. Yeah. <laughs> So 1902, she and William moved to Cheyenne. He was a lawyer, and he set up his law practice in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And while, while William was practicing his law, Nellie really dedicated herself to running their household, running their home, and raising their sons. Now, they, they had four sons. Um, one of them, though, died when he was 10 months old. Oh, that's awful. It is, yeah. Um, I guess, but back in those days, you know, they didn't have a lot yeah. of the modern medicine that we do now. So, um, weren't weren't some of them twins too? Didn't she have twins as well? Yeah, yeah. The, the first two of her sons were twins. That's, I mean, that's impressive because it's not like they had modern medicine back then. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know when 
antiseptic came into play. I'm pretty sure it was World War II. I, I honestly don't know. It could be totally false. But um, <laughs> Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. But I, I think that they were lacking a lot of the modern medicine that we rely on when giving birth and having children. And, and that would just be terrifying to know the closest doctor is 30 minutes away on horseback. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. uh, scary, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, twins is scary. But twins not, is scary, period. Having a baby is scary. When you put those yeah. things together, that's that's rough, man. Yeah. Let's Kudos not, to her. Let's not go down that road. But, um, yes, they did have four sons, and Nellie really dedicated herself to um, running that home and raising those sons when they when while William was practicing law. Um, he did have political ambitions, and he started his political career in 1904. Um, he won a campaign for um, a local prosecutor position, and yeah, it, it, it is pretty interesting. And he ran for Senate in 1908, and then he ran for the, the House in 1910, but he lost both of those races, and Nellie kind of was like, um, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, I'm sure that would be really stressful, particularly when you're taking care of three children in the home and he's running for office. That's that's a lot of scrutiny and a lot, it's a lot of stress. Agreed. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. But they decided, yes, no more politics. But then he was like, ah, actually, I'm going to try again. And so he uh, he campaigned again in 1918 for governor. And he lost that one as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. He didn't win until 1922. So he, he did win the governorship of Wyoming in 1922, and mm -hmm. he was in office for uh, like two, two and a half years before he died um, on the operating table due to complications from uh, or like a routine appendectomy. Like I said, modern medicine was... Modern medicine <clears throat> not prevalent at the time. Imagine how difficult that would be, too. If you if you wanted something so badly that you ran for it for the better part of over 10 years, mm -hmm. finally win it, and then die while in office, you don't get to actually... Two years later. Yeah, you don't get to actually complete what you wanted to do. So, I mean, I understand where Nellie came from. She was, I mean, she was grief-stricken, but she, she ran for governor, right? Yeah, after her husband died... There was support within the Democratic Party for her to run during that special election for governor, and they actually nominated her to be their their governor as um, a or for the campaign as a Democrat, right? Yeah, so a, a Democratic woman, um, and they she ran against uh, a man, a Republican, and she won. Wow. Um, yeah, she she won. Though she didn't campaign very much, um, she was kind of grief-stricken, obviously, and, you know, naturally, she was grief-stricken about the loss of her husband, so she didn't, she didn't actually campaign very much. She kind of relied on her backers to, um, you know, give speeches on her behalf and um, to run ads for her. You know, effectively her brother, right? Yeah, her brother. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and wasn't she, she had ambition. Right, and she she knew politics. She wanted to finish her husband's work. Yeah, she wanted this. She wanted she wanted this, but she knew that at the time, uh, a woman wasn't supposed to be seen as ambitious. 
Yes. So it was a fine line that she was walking, truly, to, and, and, I mean, points to her for her knowledge of, I am ambitious, I don't want to come across as ambitious, so I have to play that down or maybe hide it. Mm -hmm. I, don't want to, I don't think hide is the right word, but she had, she had to play her other strengths. Um, you know, I'm sure she was grief-stricken, but the timing sort of helped her, too, because she wasn't in the spotlight. Her ambition couldn't mm -hmm. be seen right. at the time and be a negative, because at the time, that was a huge negative, an ambitious woman. Yes. Right. And it was a, a special election, so it was a shorter campaign. Mm -hmm. Well, what was good about the state of Wyoming at that of Wyoming at that time was it was an equality state. It was the first state to grant women the right to vote, to vote for any government in the world in 1869. And then in 1894, Wyoming elected the first woman to run as a statewide public office. So... And just as an aside, I'm pretty sure that Wyoming, that's their nickname, the Equality State, right? It's not, it's not like um, a state at the time. It was their, that, that's their motto. Yeah, and what's really <laughs> interesting about that is that before Wyoming entered the Union, they granted women the right to vote. Mm -hmm. And that was in 1896, so that was much sooner then women actually won the right to vote nationally. Mm -hmm. That was 1920. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when they were, you know, talking to the union about coming in and being a state of the union, the union wanted them to, to come in, but they didn't want women to have the right to vote. And Wyoming was like, no, I'm out. And they were Republican at the time as well. Exactly. Yeah. That's, talk about a quality state. 1996. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, out on the prairie, out out in the wilderness. Sorry, 1869. Sorry, Alicia, I didn't mean to interrupt that, No, that's okay. 1869. 1869. I needed to correct myself. <clears throat> that is when Wyoming gave uh, women the right to vote. Yes. They were the first mm -hmm. of any government in the world to do so. But if you think about it, the roles weren't what they were on the East Coast in terms of this is what a woman should do and this is what a man should do. Mm -hmm. It was more... Hey, you got hands. You can help build this house. You can build this fire. You can you can go hunting. You can go gather berries. You can mm -hmm. whatnot. So it wasn't it wasn't. It makes sense that that's the equality state. It makes sense that that was their their mindset because think of all those pioneers and all and all the people moving west mm -hmm. to to build a life and a home. You doesn't matter if you have daughters or sons. They can shovel. They can clean. Mm -hmm. They can. They can build your house, they can protect your home from the wildlife. It, that seems like the appropriate mindset, in my opinion. Agreed. So, back to Nellie. Okay, back to her. <laughs> <laughs> Nellie was inaugurated to the governor's office on January 25th, 1925. And she, she really went right to work. She set goals for herself, and she wanted to continue her husband's work, specifically on... Um, spending cuts, providing government assistance to farmers and ranchers, and she had also um, banking reform. And then she worked on policies protecting children, women, workers, and minors. Um, she also was a strong, strong supporter of prohibition and pressed the state legislature to ratify statewide prohibition laws. But unfortunately, the, the state legislature, 
the state legislators, they, they only supported about five of her 11 proposals that she submitted. <clears throat> the, she was up against much more experienced, uh, much more uh, male-dominated, much more Republican to her Democratic uh, sense. And, and, you know, maybe with, maybe with some more experience, she might have narrowed her focus to get more past um, in, in that time period. But, you know, 5 of 11 is not that, it's not that bad, especially considering that she was the first of her gender to go up and do this. Um, and, you know, she didn't really play the gender card. No. And you know what? I, I thought it was interesting in, in the research that I did on her that <clears throat> she became nationally famous. Mm -hmm. And whenever she talked to the press, they, they were literally surprised that she was capable of doing her job. Yeah. And they were, and they would come across as puzzled or confused or surprised and then later mean. Just yep. downright political bashing. Especially during her second campaign. Yeah. They completely bashed her and said, you know, they were saying that a man would have done better, but they also added like three, you know, the, the people that were in charge of her schedule during the day would purposefully add like two to three extra meetings a day that, you know, yeah, exactly, that, that she couldn't, I mean, she could handle it, but their point was no man could stand up and, and, and deal with that kind of schedule, but she did. Mm -hmm. She did get things done. Um, and during her second election, you know, she was nationally famous at that time, um, being that first female governor. She, you know, rode in the inaugural parade for the swearing in of President Calvin Coolidge. She, she spoke at the Women's National Democratic Club. She spoke at the Women's World Fair, the National Governors Conference, um, all in 1925. So she was, you know, women at the time knew her. People knew her. And that's only a year after her husband died in office where she was, she got in. So in that mm -hmm. one year of time, she was speaking at these events. She was the headliner and working against all of these extra meetings thrown in and was... Also her grief. And her, and her grief children. Her and her yeah. children. And, yeah, she took care of her children for the time as well. children, two twin boys. Yeah. Yeah. She's a boss. She yeah, is a really. boss. Yeah, she ran again for governor. You know, she tried again in 1926 during the regular election. And, you know, during that campaign, she she really challenged anybody to prove her performance as governor had been any less than it might have been simply because she was a female. She, she, she refused to play the gender card until the very last month of her campaign. And she, she urged women at that time to, especially to not repudiate her because she was afraid that if she lost, that the first female governor of the United States would be seen as a failure and hamper the ambitions of women nationally. That's such a, such a leader mindset, mm -hmm. right? Okay, you can, you can not vote for me, but if you don't vote for me, at least give me a shot because if, if this shows up as a failure, how long is it going to take for the next woman to be elected to political office? And that's a 
that is a question that we are still struggling with today. Yeah. We're the highest office in our land. I we are not going to talk about that. Yeah. But you know, I mean, even today, we seriously struggle with that in the political arena. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and honestly, listening to researching her and listening to the story of her, and particularly the general election that she lost, sounds really familiar. It does. It's it's like the story. It's recent that, history. Yeah. So it's it's unfortunate. And she does. Um, not only is she amazing as a whole, and all that we heard about her today, but she's also very eloquent in what she has to say. She said that I do not represent the overpowering masculine militia type of politician that violates their sense of what the Lord intended a woman should be. So not only is she powerful and smart, but she really makes her words heard in the most general way that it can uh, go either for male or female and really be empowered by what she's saying of saying that the Lord intended what a woman should be, which at that time was so prevalent in mm -hmm. religion. And just for her to say that is very strong of her mm -hmm. and shows that leadership. She's basically saying you can be a mother, you can be a woman, and you can also be a leader. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. That's something that women have struggled with forever, forever. I mean, we're still struggling with that. I mean, we yeah. still get moms today that are, are working moms still get shamed for being a working mother. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, she did end up losing that election, but that was that's okay because she ended up, um, being appointed as the director of the Bureau of the Mint. So five times. Yeah. Wow. No, four times, sorry. Four times she was she was elected mm -hmm. by, by two, two different, different presidents. presidents. My favorite FDR. Very nice. In Truman. In Truman. And yeah. it was it's I mean that's impressive. It's impressive and if you think about um, some of the other females that we've spoke about, spoken about in this podcast, mm -hmm. to have women in a position where they're handling money at a time when women weren't allowed to vote is were, were they allowed to have their own bank account at that time? Didn't they have? They weren't allowed to have a credit card. <laughs> credit cards happened in the '60s when you were allowed to have your own credit card without a man signing for you. Yeah. So she was actually appointed by FDR and Truman to be the bureau of uh, the director of the Bureau of the Mint, and four times. Yeah, which is that's a long time. It's huge, you know, and it's it's a big deal for women to be in a role where where they end up. Um, managing money and being in charge of the the mint being in charge of the treasury in in terms of past women that we've spoken about but we it's an, a big deal for a woman to be in a role like that when they couldn't even technically have a bank account in their own name without a husband yes and she was the first woman to hold the position and it, she was a true political career move and not only did we mention it was four times that she was appointed, but it was by two different men presidents, which really stand out in so many different ways because they shared her values. A lot of their words that they share, you can see all FDR. I feel like he would say something just as powerful as she did. Sure. I, I just think that she's very impressive, and I'm, I, I don't even, what a trailblazer in, in that in that moment so yeah I mean she's very a true pioneer for women's political mm -hmm. for the women's political movement do you happen to know how many um, 
How many other women have served as governor of their state? I, I do know this because I did some research. Okay. Um, I asked a mutual acquaintance of ours who loves all things about state governor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, he, he told me that there have been 44 total female state governors, including Nellie. Um, and currently there's 11 female governors that are serving or that are just about to take office, that have been elected that are about to, to get sworn in and take office. Wow. Governor-elect. Governor-elect, exactly. Yes. yes, they were the okay. governor-elect. So I, I just, I think she's very impressive and is a true trailblazer. You know, I don't want to say that for every person we talk about, but she truly is. Mm -hmm. And it's very true pioneer in the sense of every sense of that word and, and just very impressive. So Nellie, we tip our hats to you. We toast to you. And thank you, Nellie. Thank you. Because what you did moved the women's movement forward. Indeed. Well, thanks, Alicia. Thanks, Jen. Thanks. For letting me talk about Nellie. Um, you guys know that I am, uh, I am passionate about history, and uh, Nellie was one of those ones that I really wanted to, I really wanted to talk about with you guys. So thanks for letting me chat your ears off. I loved it. I'm, I'm so glad to have learned more and to have that in, in the memory bank, so um, we can inspire more young women to go into finance, go into all the, uh, the monies, if you will. The money. The money. <laughs> Get that money, honey. <laughs> yeah. So thanks. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, thank you. Of course. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the This Month in Women's History, January, with the Bridge Initiative. Thank you for joining us. It's been our pleasure to speak to you today, and have a great one.